0: wowed every time I go out into the community because this city is sitting on literally intellectual capital gold mines. When you talk about how people used to go out to the West and and really like try to find gold, you could come to Greater Houston and find that gold in intellectual capital. And I wanted to be a part of that.
1: Hey, money movers, welcome to another episode of Her Money Moves. And today we have an amazing guest, Miss Natara Branch. Hello. She is the CEO of the Houston Exponential and has an incredible career that she's going to share with us today. I mean, you have broken down so many glass ceilings and broken down so many doors and just love that about your personality. We met recently at the Latina Luncheon and I mean, just right off the bat, we connected. We have the same type of energy. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you have got to be on the show.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I think passion recognizes passion. And I can tell that you're very passionate about what you do. And heaven knows I'm passionate about what I do. So I think that vibe is that vibe.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So you were sharing that you kind of moved around a lot as an army. Air Force. Air Air Force. Force. Yeah. So my Uh dad
0: was Air Force. So I always tell people it allowed me to move and sort of meet people more easily, which was really good because I'm actually an introvert. People don't believe it about me, but I am an introvert. I, I don't get my energy from like big meetings and things of that nature, even though I'm always in them. But I think that being in a military background, having to pick up and move all of the time allowed me to sort of adapt quickly. And that's what I liked about it. But we moved a lot. I was born in Germany. Every time someone asks me, where are you from? I say Houston, because that's where I chose to live. That's that, This is my city. But but I was actually born in Germany, moved around a lot and kind of grew up in Austin and then just everywhere. I'm a, I'm a kid of everywhere. <laughs>
1: so. Yes. And just learned that we're both U of H coups. Oh, Go gosh.
0: It's one of those things where University of Houston was love at first sight. My sister was going there for a, a campus visit and I went there and I was like, all these companies in the backdrop. And I knew I wanted a folder and I wanted a corner office. I, all is knew that. I didn't know what the folder was going to have in it. I didn't know what the corner office was going to be corner, but I knew I wanted to be in business, and Houston was the, at that epicenter of that. And so University of Houston, for me, was a land of opportunity. I'm excited to be back in my town with my school. <laughs>
1: yes, and I was in board service, and we both end up on the board <laughs> yeah. at our alumni's as Oh
0: my gosh, it's such a surreal moment. So I, I, I was telling someone, I'd been on the board for Bauer for years. It's my school, love it, business, etc., do whatever they they need me to do. Um, but I recently got named to the Board of Visitors, and you get a lo- note when you, you get accepted to a school. So University of Houston accepted me. Great. That was great when years ago. Um, <laughs> when I went. And when I got asked to be on the Board of Visitors, they also send you a note. So I was like, I'm going from getting a note of being accepted to being asked to be a thought leader with the president and chancellor of the university system. That is a surreal moment. And one of those things where you never feel like you make it. But that was a moment where I was like, hmm, I think I did something. (laughs) (laughs) I have something to contribute. And so that was a big moment for me and excited to serve. Servant leadership is is my style. So that's going to be so much fun.
1: Amazing. So where did you go after U of H? Tell us about your career journey.
0: Yeah. So I always tell people I went into oil, a little mature. I was Exxon before ExxonMobil. And so I went into oil and then I went into football. So I worked for the National Football League. So all I need to do is come back to Texas and open up a barbecue restaurant and then have the trifecta. <laughs> but no, I've, done, I've done oil and gas and now football. So spent some time uh, in the downstream of Exxon, ExxonMobil, and then 18 and a half years of the National Football League. Finally hung up my cleats last year. <laughs> Did they put your jersey up no, there? I know, and the, my, my jersey retired. See, what it was, what it was is I was trying to beat Tom Brady, but I uh, unretired. I'm not unretiring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: not unretiring. <laughs> so we both have worked in male dominated industries in oil and gas. I was with Chevron and then you were with the NFL after Exxon. How was it for you to Right? Because you rose yeah. all the way to the top. <laughs> it's one of those things
0: where people ask me, all the time because sports oil and gas is male dominated but there's almost like this this thing where you're expecting it to be that way and no one's going to change it almost like that that's kind of the sense it is but it's, it's like it can change it will change it has changed but i don't get the question as much as i do about sports i Always get the question, "How was it being a a woman in football?" And I give the same answer: It was hard. I am not one of those women who are like, "I didn't know I was a woman, and it was okay." I'm not that woman. I will tell you straight up: It was hard. But I I always say the NFL doesn't owe me anything. I had so much opportunity. I had so many chances. I was. I laughed because as I was leaving, they continuously recognized me. I was the first African American female vice president in the NFL office. And I always tell people that's not an accomplishment. That was a challenge because I always say I can be your first, but I'll never be your last. And so it was an opportunity for me to just do things that I had never done before and open doors for people that would never believe that they could have those doors open. And for me, the challenge was not just get some more VPs, get some more EVPs. But when I left there, I was trying to get some more owners because I don't believe in getting to the just getting to the table. That's fine and dandy. But I'm talking about when do we own the room? When do we own the table? When do we own the chairs? When are we inviting people in? And so that's kind of how I've lived my career. And why not me? And so, yeah, that's, (laughs) it's a challenge. It's hard, but I'm up for the challenge. And I know so many women, we're so strong. Women are so strong and smart. (laughs) And so you put all of those things together. We have so many obstacles against us, but we stand up to the challenge every single time, every single time. So (laughs) Anyway. <laughs> so
1: what are some strategies and tips that you could share with our audience on when did you know, OK, it's time to move on now or it's go for this next position? Sure. How did you continue to elevate yourself? So
0: I give everyone this feedback. There are two things that any professional needs to do. One is a sp- personal assessment. So just like you have your performance review every year, you need to be doing a personal assessment. Every single one of my mentees, I have 32 active and lots of alumni, but 32 active mentees who I, I challenge them. What are you doing? And are you doing the same thing you were doing last year? If you're doing the same thing that you were doing last year and you're not challenged, we need to start talking about what's happening. Now, if you want to be a role player, cool. That's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. That's totally fine. But if you're trying to move along and do different things, that's not fine. So just like the organization is looking at you and saying, hey, this is your performance over the year. You need to be looking at you and take an honest assessment of what am I doing and where am I trying to go? That strategic plan for you. One of my mentees laughs at me because I have a strategic plan for me. I am my own company. And then that second piece of the advice is similar to that, where it's you need to have a board of directors. Similar to a company that has a board of directors, I have a board of directors. So I have mentors who are in the same field. I have sponsors who are not in the same field. I have religious or spiritual leaders that are on my board of directors, people that are in all segments of my life. So if anything comes up, I have somebody to call. Money people. Many moves. <laughs> I have spiritual people. I have just people I need to call and say, hey, this really sucked today. I Just let me vent, that sort of thing. And that board of directors keeps me focused on the big picture. And so I highly encourage those two things. One, take your personal assessment every single year. And then two, your board of directors.
1: And are there any specific questions that are on that personal assessment that we can all sit back and ask ourselves?
0: (laughs) Number one is, am I doing the same things that I was doing last year at this time? Number two is, if I am, what does that look like for me in two to three years? If I'm doing the same thing that I was doing last year, will I still be doing this in two to three years from now? And am I okay with that? Who are my sponsors? Different than mentorship, making sure that we know who are my sponsors, who's speaking for me when I am not in the room, and if I don't have that, how do I get that? Who are my mentors? Who's going to tell me my, that my jacket is ugly? Who's going to tell me that? <laughs> who's going to tell me that I speak funny? Those mentors who are not necessarily speaking for you in the room, but they are speaking to you to say you need to adapt, change, modify this if you're trying to get where you're going. And then it's like, who am I aspiring to be? You have to have aspirations to be someone and what is challenging, I think for people of color specifically, is there's in the past, there hasn't been a plethora of individuals you could say, oh, look at that president, look at that CEO, look at that bad woman that is on that podcast. (laughs) I want to be her. There hasn't been that for my generation at least, but for the new generation they have no excuse. They have people like you that they can look to. They have people like all of the powerful women that are out there. Now, are they in the numbers that we should have? No, but they're fair. So who am I aspiring to be? And it doesn't mean that I have to be exactly like them, dress exactly like them. But okay, what did she do and what should I be doing if I want to be
1: near her? Exactly. And that is the whole purpose of this podcast is to give people that experience and tap into hearing from women from many different industries and backgrounds so they can figure out because that's the beautiful thing about life I never in my would think that I am would be where I am today with a podcast. Her Money Moves, you know, it's something that just it happened authentically and organically. And it's like, yes, with your personality, I can see it. When I met you, I thought you were actually on TV.
0: Oh, yeah. I was was like, she's a TV personality. She's like, (laughs) I was like, you, you, people gravitate to you. So I can, I see
1: that all over you. (laughs) Thank you. So then please share with us, you know, now you're the CEO of the Houston Exponential. Sure, sure. So when I was
0: at the NFL, as I mentioned to you, it's that personal assessment. I always went for challenges. I was only going to New York for one year. I was going to go up to New York, this Texas girl going to go up to New York. I wanted to be a novelist. All good crimes start with the money. And I, as an accountant, I was an accountant. I wanted to go up there and save the world. And so I was going to write novels <laughs> on on financial crimes. But at any rate, got sucked into so many different things. I actually got out of the accounting world per se, and started doing different things, marketing, branding, youth football, strategic planning, you name it, I did it. It was a raise your hand, go after the strategic priorities of the league. One of my mentors, she was a Japanese communications major and she was our CFO. <laughs> was like, how do you go from point A to point B? And she, what she told me was she never went for a job. She went for the challenge. And that's how I really built up my career. I really went for the challenges. And so... That's how I built my career, going along and rose through the ranks.
1: I love that. Can you repeat that one more time? (laughs) Don't go for the title.
0: Go Go for for the the challenges. Yes. You hear us? (laughs) So that's how I built my career. And so when I was leaving the NFL, finally, after what was supposed to be a year, but ended up being 18 and a half years, I was like, I'm going, I knew I was coming back to Houston and I wanted to come back and give back in a way that I would have never imagined. Now, if you, (laughs) if anybody had thought I was going to be leading a charge for tech and innovation, they would have rolled over laughing. But at the end of my career, that's one of the, at the NFL, that's one of the things I was working on is tech and innovation, the future of football. Where are we going to be in the next 10 years? How do we start thinking about what this looks like for the next generation of fans and so that just excites me. That future excites me excites too. me. So there's a saying that says that you don't sit under the shade of the tree that, that's planted. And so that means that things that we're thinking about right now are going to shade people in the future and provide for them efficiencies and effectiveness and all of those things that we could only dream and hope for. And so I wanted to be a part of that movement. And so when I had the opportunity to come back to Houston, I knew that they, they were starting a, an effort to have tech and innovation in Houston. I was working in football tech and innovation. So I started talking about sports tech because sports tech was getting bigger and, and growing in the industry. And that was just exciting to me. And so I wanted to be a part of that. But then when I got back, they were like, well, Expand your horizons. I'm like, okay, that I've heard that in my whole entire career. Okay, let's not just focus on what I know, but let's focus on things that can help me grow. Focus on what, not what I know, but what can help me grow. Oh. This is my expansion. So I know sports tech. I know that industry. I know sports like the back of my hand. But now I'm learning about space. I'm learning about energy. I'm learning about health, bioeconomy, synthetic bio. It's like 3D hearts. I'm like wowed every time I go out into the community because this city is sitting on literally intellectual capital gold mines. When you talk about how people used to go out to the West End and really like try to find gold, you could come to Greater Houston and find that gold in intellectual capital, and I wanted to be a part of that. And so when they asked me to be a part of a Chex, I was like, wait a minute, hold up. You want me to talk about Houston? You want to talk about the future? Tech and innovation? And you're going to pay me, okay? <laughs> Shame on you, but that worked for me. And so I jumped at the chance. It's a dream come true. Love this city. Love all of the makeup of it. Love the potential and all that it just has. And so that's how I got here. Really an expansion opportunity. But I wanted to come home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and you are planting the seeds and helping art. ecosystem grow
0: yeah so we are now I've reimagined the organization I don't like to say restructure because that means people feel like everybody's dropping off the face of the earth but reimagine what Houston Exponential can be so before when they started Houston Exponential it really was around how do we bring resources to the city but now we've done that they have brought so many wonderful resources I always say this the ingredients in the pie I'm not going to give my pie story but it's the ingredients of the pie really really good ingredients that make up the Houston ecosystem But now how do we get them all together? How do we bake this pie, this amazing city of resources? How do we get that out? And so now what I've challenged everybody is, okay, we have these resources. We have all the innovators. We have all these entrepreneurs. Now let's tell the stories. It's time to start singing the praises and highlighting and showcasing all of these great things that are happening because we're very shy and humble and like, well, we don't like to talk about ourselves, but I always say, if you don't, if nobody talks about it, it's not happening. So when people are flying, because I used to fly from New York to L.A. all the time and just bypassing Houston, never thinking about it. Or when they say right down there in Austin, that's what the people always say. Yes. I say, I'm in tech and innovation. Oh, in Austin? No, not quite. Yep. I'm in Houston. But it, it, it people just pass They've over. They've been
1: overlooking us. I mean, for They have no idea.
0: But that is so good because now that's an opportunity for this city and the great entrepreneurs that are here to tell their stories. And Wow the world. And as I'm having more conversations with space, they said, stop saying the world, honey, we are like universal. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so that's how I just get excited about it, all the potential. We're changing lives. When you talk about the place that is going to change how you breathe, how you think, how your cells replace each other, how your heart can be different. I saw a pig in and I was like, Oh, what is that supposed that inside of me? This one woman I met, she's like doing stem cell research that can regenerate your brain. Who comes up with that kind of concept? Other than people who have a culture of innovation, and that's what's here. This scrappy city of Greater Houston. That just gets stuff done. Yes.
1: So I know you shared that you, congratulations on your beautiful daughter. She's
0: absolutely beautiful, I must say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I know, you know, as mothers, we really want to build a better future, a brighter future for our daughters and for everybody's children and our nieces and nephews and cousins and neighbors and all the students. So can you share some what you're excited about, and kind of what are the seeds that you're planning to help sure. make a better future?
0: Houston Exponential is the ecosystem builder. We're not necessarily doing the programs and and things of that nature, but we're making it so that all of the ecosystem builders can do those programs. And so finding gaps with them and strategically partnering with them to to close those gaps. And so what I'm excited about is that all of those people who've been doing the hard work who've been really trying to lay the groundwork for, for what Houston is going to be, now we're getting to tell their story and we're also getting them to collaborate and, and really giving them the resources that they need to be able to do the work that they are that they can do so that the founders and the funders can find each other and really make this whole thing sing. So I'm really, really excited about that. We have an event, <laughs> I have to do my shameless plug, formerly called Tech Rodeo. It was started by Gerda Houston Partnership and Houston Exponential and, and others who really wanted to sing the praises of what was happening in in Greater Houston. So it was an opportunity for all of the collisions of tech and innovators and funders and everybody to come together. So that was Tech Rodeo. But what we found over this past year is that we have an opportunity to expand that. And so we are expanding it. We're changing the name of it to a roundup. And we're rounding up all of these different places that make up Greater Houston. So it's not just Houston. It's Greater Houston and everything that Greater Houston, the region has to offer, as well as not just tech, but also our innovators, because not all innovators are tech. But the two, when they collide, creates magic. And so we're bringing tech innovation and impact. How are we going to impact this world, whether it's nonprofits or affinity groups and things of that nature? So we have three different areas of which we're focusing on uh, for that the roundup uh, that's coming up in February of 2024. It's our showcase. It's how people are going to view this ecosystem in the country. We're inviting people that are outside of the ecosystem to come and take a peek. They're going to be surprised and amazed and wowed. And that's what we're looking to do. Wow.
1: Well, I'm excited about this. (laughs) Make sure that I'm in town in February. (laughs) You have the VIP experience. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And of course, want collaborate and partner and support it in any way that I can. Absolutely.
0: And that's the one thing I've really loved about it this past year. It's not an HX thing. And that's what I've told our team. Nothing about HX. This new version is about HX. It's about the people it's about the people that are getting things done and so how do we tell stories and then step back and let people do their thing and so one of the things that we do is we're actually having podcasts that are live and shooting and and that, so you as storytellers can start telling the stories that are out there that are meaningful to people giving people practical tips like you are so that people can actually find you and know about you how do we boost and support you in that and that's kind of our role I'm so excited about that the more people that know about the things that you're doing the tips that you're giving the people people you're interviewing, that's better for the city. That's better for this region. That's better for this country. And that's what we want to do. The
1: future of leadership Mm. and the future of wealth is female.
0: Yes. Oh, We've yes. seen that with all
1: the headlines with Barbie and oh my Taylor Swift and <laughs> Beyonce.
0: She's my best friend in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Only in my head. Don't tell her that. <laughs> but, no, you know, money. So one of the projects that I did at the National Football League, I was in consumer products. So all the jerseys and things of that nature. And they used to do this thing called Pink It and Shrink It. And so they would take a man's jersey. Turn it pink and, <laughs> and think that women wanted it. But what we found out is that women were the CFOs of their household. They controlled the purse. So when you had a male fan, they went to the grave literally in their one jersey. But a female bought for herself, her father, her brother, her son, her nephews, her friends, herself. She would never be caught in the same jersey. So when you're talking about who had the power of the purse, it was always the female. So it behooves us to make sure she's educated in finances. It behooves us to make sure she's educated in. Investments. She's so smart. The female is so smart. She's the most educated in the household. She's the most inquisitive in the household because she's running most likely the operations of the household in general. And so it's one of those things where it behooves us to make sure she is well equipped, well secure in how she's moving the economy of her home. And when she can move her economy of her home in the way that is going to be generational, man, you're going to change the economic position of most cultures in this country. And that's so powerful.
1: Do you hear that? <laughs> you are a CFO. Yes, <laughs> you are chief financial officer. Don't forget that. So do it.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's very meaningful for, for me. I think all of the fintech, the femtech, all of those things coming together so that they can empower women. I just think the country's going to get better. We are the sort of the backbones of this economy. And so I think it, everyone's going to benefit from that.
1: So, Natera, what are you dreaming bigger about these days? Oh, I love that. Dream big. <laughs>
0: I am dreaming big about the future for my daughter. And someone asked me just last night, like what changed? I was very career oriented. My husband will tell you she was career, 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 career. And she has literally changed my life. So I am dreaming bigger and better for her. Me and my husband manifest every single day something new, something personal, something bigger for other people. So my dreaming big is just wealth equity in this country. I believe in DEI. I believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I totally believe in that, but I submit to people until there's wealth Equity, you're not really going to move the needle as much as we need to. And one of my great mentors told me, he said, get to a position where you can actually make the change where no one's challenging you. So when you're down at certain levels, you can shout about the change. You can say we need a change and that's needed. All those positions are needed. But when you are when you rise to ranks where you actually are the decision maker, then you can actually make the change and people can't challenge you. And that's what I strive to do in my career. And I feel like that's where I am now. So I'm helping to make those changes that we're going to get wealth equity. Equity. Entrepreneurship. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> Entrepreneurship is that bridge. Entrepreneurship, tech, innovation, that's a great equalizer. It's the democratization of wealth. And as more people that we can get into the fold, the more people that we can help to get successful, the more people we can get funded. That's what's going to change the way we have wealth equity. And, and that's what I'm dreaming big about. How do we achieve that?
1: Thank you once again. I knew this was going to be a really passionate, (laughs) energetic interview. So looking forward to continuing this relationship and friendship and seeing you make a huge impact, not only in Houston, but nationally and globally. You're amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. I appreciate being here.